Hey there, it's Libertarians for America. And today we have a very special guest, Larry Sharp, who ran for the governor of New York in 2018. Great to have you, Larry. I am happy to be here. Sadly, I did not win. Oh, but maybe next time. You never know. Oh, you yeah, of know. course. I mean, next time we're definitely going to promote you here at Libertarians for America. I appreciate uh, it. Yeah. So I was going to say today I actually got into a debate with my uh, AP Euro class. OK. And um, they were debating me on, oh, you know, libertarianism makes no sense. The free market um, has no basis. And I said, I think you're talking more about anarcho-capitalism, which libertarians are far from. And the more I'm noticing, I think that libertarianism nowadays specifically has been getting very mixed up with anarcho-capitalism. So what's your take on that? Well, first of all, they probably were actually being confused with the idea of your free market compared to what we have now, which is crony capitalism. And if they're saying crony capitalism doesn't work, but we're calling it the free market, they're right. Crony capitalism doesn't work, but that's not a free market. Sadly, that is what many people believe the free market is, right? I, I remember when they first uh, made the change with Obamacare and Obamacare had the marketplace and they said, see, we have a market, the free market, and it doesn't work. Obamacare was the free market. They literally said that. And clearly that's not the case. So there may be an, uh, there may be simply a definition problem as possible. But the second part is, are libertarians ANCAPs? Yes. Are libertarians anarchists? Yes. Are they also minarchist? Yes. Are they also, you know, kind of Republican light? Yes. Are they Democrat light? Yes. They're kind of everything. So exactly. they- they, they are that, but they aren't only that. So even with that in mind, there's a place for everybody in our party and there's value to all of them. There's value to Democrat light. There's value to Republican light. There's value to anarchists and ANCAPs. There's value to all of them. The question is, have we taken the country and turned it in the direction of liberty or, or not? If we do that, then we can argue how far we want to go, Right. But we're yeah. right now facing directly into the face of oligarchy and and dictatorship. That's what we're facing. And we're marching directly at it. So yeah. I'm worried about turning the country around and going in the right direction. You can call it whatever you like. I'm good. I'll take whatever title you want to use. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. Um, currently, I think that the number one issue is, you know, kids are looking at it and they're like, oh, there's only two parties. There's only two parties. And then, then the number one thing I tell them is, no, there's not two parties. You have third parties. And they just tell me, oh, no, no, no. Third, third parties, no, no point in voting for them. That's, that's a waste of a vote. And I think that that's the number one thing which we have to get rid of this, um, this notion amongst people that third party is just a waste of a vote, right? Imagine if every 100%. single, person, no, every single person said it's a waste of a vote. If all those people voted, then I don't think it would be a waste of a vote. But I, we have to add a couple things. The first thing is, if they think there's only two parties, then what they're agreeing to, you should tell them this. Okay, so you're agreeing to just fight each other in perpetuity forever? And they're like, what? Yeah, well, that's what you're saying. You're saying there's only two parties. One of them is right and one of them is wrong. You'll pick the one that's right. Everyone who doesn't agree with you is wrong and we'll keep fighting for now until forever. How's that been working out for you and yours? Has it been working out well? The constant culture war on every single issue that ever comes up. George Floyd is killed. 
The left yells, uh, defund the police. The right yells, back the blue. No problem solved. There are caravans of people coming up from, from, the, from, the, 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 from the south. The right yells, build the wall. The left yells, you know, don't put kids in cages. And there's nothing actually done. There's actually no policy to change anything. And, we, and it goes on and on and on and on. And we create everything to become a culture war to fight left versus right or good versus evil. Your side is the good side. The other side is the evil side. And nothing gets solved. Or, or you could vote third party. And if you vote third party, libertarian specifically, if you do that, all of a sudden, the other people who are just fighting left versus right, us versus them, have to actually have an answer. They can't just go, I'm not the other. See, I'm good by default because I'm not them. Look, I know I killed a guy, but he killed three guys. So I'm way better, lesser of two evils. Just, just bring a murderer into play, not a mass murderer. And that's how we're dealing with this now. So your option is keep voting the way you've been voting. You can do that if you want to. And if it's working for you, if you feel like the country's going well, if you feel like things are rocking and rolling for you and your family, keep doing it. I mean, if, if that's how you see it, it's the right answer for you. But if you're saying, no, I'm unhappy, I'm scared. You know, I'm, I'm worried about my future. I'm not sure if there's gonna be jobs there for me, if there's gonna be a future there for me, if there's gonna be an economy there for me, if there's gonna be opportunity there for me, if there's gonna be safety there for me. If you're concerned about those things, vote third party. Because even if we don't win, Here's the glory of this. People don't understand. Well, Larry, if I vote for a libertarian, what are you guys going to get? Five or 10% and that's it? Maybe that could happen. That does happen often. Sometimes we get 20% even. It does happen here or there. We once in a while win. We won in Wyoming. It does happen also. But say we only get 10 or 15%. We've affected the election, which yeah. means that now your Democrat or your Republican must bend towards liberty to get our votes. So voting that, 10% or 15% will get you better Democrats or better Republicans. And what I would ask anyone of the people who you talk to, how many of them, whether they identify as Democrat or Republican, are happy with their party? The vast majority are not. They are begrudgingly Republican or begrudgingly Democrat because they fear the other. They are voting against something. They're not voting for anything. That's oh, yeah. how you make it happen. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially with um, the current climate of the two parties, it's becoming so toxic. Right. Um, this is the number one thing that Washington feared. Uh, he said that the two party system would inevitably cause a major dysfunction in the country. Right. Um, and it's really just becoming neoconservatives against neolibs. And they're basically pitting once against each other. Right. Um, one neighbor to the other. Oh, it's the lesser of two evils. It's the lesser of two evils. Why does that matter? It should be the one who's better. It shouldn't be the one who's the lesser of two evils, right? I mean, they're or both it could be the one that you actually want to vote for. I mean, that's the issue. You should be thinking to yourself, do you want to vote for someone? And there were people who voted for Trump and people who voted for Biden, but most people didn't. Most people either voted against Trump or against the idea of socialism. That's what most people voted against. Most did not vote for. And that's sad. I wish you were voting for stuff and not against stuff. It's not the right answer for us. It's a bad way to run a country. It's a bad way to run an organization. Oh, yeah. So that's going to get me into my next question is, what do you think that, um, how can we make sure as the people 
that there is a system of checks and balances and that we can end up abolishing this two-party system. What is your take on that? And how do you think we can tackle the two-party system? I don't think we can abolish the two-party system. I don't think that's, that's too many people know it, like it, and there's no alternative, mm-hmm. right? The thing you have to remember about most, almost all governments, two things. It's a monopoly and it's a jobs program. If you accept government being those two things, you realize you can't just abolish it. Because once you abolish it, first off, there's nothing there. It's a monopoly. So you open up the black market. Two, it's a jobs program. People are fired. They have no jobs. They get mad. They don't like that. People don't vote against their own jobs. So you always have to have an option available for them. So whenever you remove something, you've got to have some options available for people to go to. So I think the best way of getting rid of it is to modify it. And that's by having a strong third party. When you have a strong third party, that party becomes by default fault a referee for the other two that's what it does and that's what would happen imagine and people say well larry you know you libertarians you're never gonna get 51 percent of your state senate of your state assembly i don't need 51 percent. in fact in our senate right now with the united states senate if there was just three libertarians we would run the senate i'm sorry two we would run the senate because we would be the swing vote for every bill so literally yeah. the libertarian movement would run the senate imagine that which is two libertarians Whichever way we go, that's where the bill goes. We don't require like 30 of them. Two is enough. And imagine if we had that. Now, when Democrats want to do things like begin to end the war on drugs, but they want to tax the hell out of cannabis on the way out, we can go get rid of that at tax and we're good. And we vote for it. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, I totally agree with you. Uh, it's, it's quite literally like if we had just two, three people, I believe that we actually had two seats in Congress if I'm not mistaken, which we actually sadly lost in the 2020 elections, but um, we had two seats and we had one. We had one. Okay. So we we had had one one seat. Justin Amash. Yeah. So Justin Amash was our only seat. And I think that that was a great thing because, you know, he had influence, right? I mean, even one person has influence, gives influence. They're there. They have their own, you know, congressmen and they have their people. He could have, um, definitely sat down and talked to more of the more moderate Republicans or more moderate well, Democrats. No, I think he did. Yeah, and he that's the them. point you've just, you've just brought a valid point up, right? And I'll give you an actual example. Last year, again, death of George, George Floyd, left yells, defund the police, right yells, um, back the blue, and nothing's actually solved, except the one libertarian congressman is Justin Amash. And he says, you know what? Why don't we try to fix something? So he actually comes up with a, a bill on as a start to uh, deal with and get rid of qualified immunity. Well, he's the only guy. He can't run the bill up the flag the flagpole himself. What does he do? He gets Democrats, Republicans on top of it. They agree. He makes the first tripartisan bill ever. Look at that. An amazing. He created that. An actual thing. Now, of course, the Democrat Nancy Pelosi and Republican Mitch McConnell, they want nothing to do with it. So it never gets voted on. But still, he actually crossed the aisle. And you might say, why do I care? Because right now, if you're a Democrat, try crossing the aisle and talking to Republicans, you lose your seat. Imagine you're a Republican. Try crossing the aisle now, talking to Democrats, you lose your seat. So you can't, if you are one of the two parties, talk across the aisle. You'll get primaried and you'll lose your seat. But if you're libertarian, there's no answer except that. We are by default the peacemakers. We are by default the healers. If you put us in, we can heal this nation. That's how important it is. 
Oh yeah, I totally agree with you. And we're not saying that we want um, a purely libertarian um, country, right? I mean, yeah, we would. Yeah, we, well, we do. Well, of course we do, right? We do. But do <laughs> we do? Is everyone gonna vote for it? I mean, at the end of the day, no, we, no, no. We we'll take what we can get, but yeah, yeah. I'm greedy off. though, man. I, I, yeah. I want eight billion libertarians. That's what I want. I'm greedy. Give me eight billion libertarians. I'm in. I'm greedy. Well, don't we all want eight billion libertarians? I mean, if we had eight billion libertarians. <laughs> There wouldn't be wars everywhere and people wouldn't be fighting each other. Absolutely. But I mean, yep. hey, um, at the end of the day, you know, we need people to look at libertarianism with an open mind. We need people to really look at it and be like, you know what? Actually, it's not such a bad thing. And I think that starts off with people in my age group, right? 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, right? Because if those people, if we can get them, then that's going to be a generational voter who's going to then influence the youth and then they're going to influence their youth. And it's just a cycle. Right. Um, so really we just need to focus, I think, even as a party, right. As the libertarian party itself, giving more education and putting more focus on that young adult age group. I think that's the thing. That's it's the challenging main thing. Though, right. Let me be very clear about it. It's challenging to do it. Number one is challenging because too many youngsters by percentage don't vote. Yeah. Right. The, if you're over 50, odds are very high you vote. You're under 30, odds are very high you don't. So there is an issue. Am I going to put money and time and energy into a youth vote that I may not see for 12 years? Tough to ask. Are you right? Yes, because that will pay off in 12 years. But it's tough for the individual who's putting the money and time into it to say, oh, yeah. I'm going to invest for 12 years. Oh, so yeah. it's difficult, not impossible. And I think you have a valid point. I'm just saying you're asking a lot for the individual who's trying to win today, who's oh, yeah. trying to win this year. So it's challenging. That's number one. But as a second piece, too, it isn't education that we have to do. It's motivation. It's getting someone young to understand that this is an actual answer. The problem you have now with most youth, millennials and then the uh, Zoomers, is that particularly if you've left school already, right? And we'll say someone's left high school or college, they're coming out in a very tough job market. They came out in a tough job market after the crash of 2010, 12, and that area, they thought they had trouble there now. Some of them have pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and, and you know, gained stuff. And now they're losing it again because of the COVID crash. The COVID response crash. So it's challenging to get someone who's young to believe in this capitalism thing, because what they see as capitalism is I don't get to own a car. I don't get to own a house. I don't, I have to have a gig economy for me to survive. I'm struggling and I own very few things. And I see everyone on, on, you know, on my social media and they all seem to be having their best life and going to Cancun and they all see that and they're not. It's challenging. So the way of what we do is not educating them on libertarianism, but educating them on actual policies and ideas that will get the youth to go, oh, that is what I want. Oh, that would motivate me. And an example I brought up in New York State when I ran for governor was the idea of, look, why don't we have a law in New York State that says, if you have a small business and you agree to only sell locally, only in New York State, you'll be immune from all federal regulatory bodies, period. Just sell in New York State only. The pop-up in New York State test out their wares locally. If it works, then prepare to go out of the state and, and combat and fight the big boys. 
until that, they don't fight the big boys because the big boys have all the federal regulations. They don't. It gives the little guy a chance to explode. You add on top of that, regulating cannabis, literally like a plant, like onions is what I said. You do that, now you can have craft grows. Now you can build a business literally on a farm. That gets people to go, you know what? Let me go to New York and try growing some stuff. Let me try my hand at something. That, that makes a, a young person go, I'm interested. Let me try to do this. Even if the person says, I don't want to do that specifically, that's an interesting idea that draws them to us and to hear us. Otherwise, what do they do? You know, Republicans, you know, lower my taxes or Democrats give me a program. They think that's the only answer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, right now they they look at capitalism and this is right. I think you mentioned it. You called it uh, crony capitalism. Is that yes. what you call it? Yeah. Um, I think that it's really just a mix of mercantilism and serfdom right now in America. It's it's not capitalism at all. Um, it's well, more I can't of, say at all that that's I mean that's a little bit of a stretch. It is capitalism. It's just a, a derivation of it. Is that right, the right word? It yeah, is but, a it, it's a it's a it's a an offshoot of it that is heavily based upon my monopolies or oligarchies being supported by government regulation. So you still have capitalism. It's just severely skewed to a few big, large companies that basically have politicians in their pockets. Yeah. Um, so yeah, exactly. As you said, uh, it is okay. Well, Larry put it better than I did, but, um, Right now, we don't have the pure capitalism that libertarians are shooting for. Right now, we have this offshoot, like Larry said, and it's it's just it's saddening to see that people now want to backtrack and say, let's let's go the other route. Let's go socialism. I mean, there's people that literally are like full out supporters of Karl Marx. I mean, I, I, I read the manifesto. You don't want that. I mean, no one wants that. No and, and if someone wants that, believe me, they don't know what they're getting into because that. I think you you actually put it right. Exactly. They don't know. And th- I would like you to imagine if you could. I'm sure you've studied history. You imagine Russia, 1917. Oh. All they know prior to Lenin is the, 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 the Russian Tsar, right? The Russian Tsarist, you know, basically after 300 years of making Russians peasants as close to slavery as you can get without officially being slaves, right? Serfdom, as close to slavery as you can get without being slaves. That's obviously horrible. Here comes Lenin. Lenin says, hey, how about this cool communism thing? Look, it sounds great. You you get to eat usually, you know, which you usually get to eat and stuff and everyone gets cool stuff. And they went, wow, well, I know this Russian Tsar stuff sucks that I'm sure of. This Lenin stuff, this communism sounds pretty cool. Let's go try that. And they didn't realize that. No, no, that was just as bad as the Tsarist stuff. You still can't eat either way. Either way, you don't eat. So either way, yeah. it doesn't work, right? The person but, that eats is the guy up there. That's correct. And that happened under Tsarist, you know, Russia, and it happened to Lenin. So, yeah. but they didn't know any better. But to your point, they just knew what they had wasn't working. And they said, what's the worst that could happen, Right. And I think a lot of the youth are in the same boat. They're like, this isn't working for me. What's this socialism thing? I mean, look, I'm, I'm in my 50s. I remember, you know, the USSR, 
I grew up during that time frame. I grew up in the 70s and 80s. So I know what I remember that. So for me, socialism has a very negative feeling of connotation. But if you're 18, 19, 20 now, that it doesn't. You think of socialism as, you know, cool Uncle Bernie or hot AOC. I mean, that's kind of how you, you think about it if you're a young person today. So I get the, the, I get the issues. I'm yeah. not mad at people for thinking it. It's our job to what you said to your point. It's our job to have the proper conversations to show them the way. Yeah, um, I totally agree. And currently with the current climate we're in, it's so, so crucial, right? I mean, if these kids keep veering like this, God knows what's going to happen with the next generation, right? The next generation is going to be, I, I fear for that generation because that is going to be way worse than anything that we have right now. Um, and those kids specifically, I see them going into more of, you know what, screw it. I don't even want socialism. Just take totalitarianism. Just let the government have control over me. Well, that's, that's what you start having in the reverse, right? You start having, there are two roads that we are on. When people are afraid, they go down one or two roads. Socialism, a strong man. One of those two, right? Trump is the strong man. Bernie is the socialist, right? They go down one of those two. But they both end up at dictatorship, right? They both end up in the same spot. Eventually, it goes to dictatorship. But they go down that road. And the problem we're going to have is the same problem we had in other dictatorships is the brain drain. Eventually, people see what's happening, go, I'm not going to stay for this. And they leave. There's a brain drain. They pack up and they leave, right? Einstein, perfect example, leaving Germany, right? I mean, it's what happens constantly. People pack up and they leave. And that's what's going to happen to America if we go down this route. So you're worrying about this generation. The savviest people of the generation, they're going to pack up and leave. They're going to go, go to Canada or Mexico or wherever they think is a better country to go to. They're going to pack up and leave. And America is going to have a brain drain. And you see it already in California. You see it already in New York. My state, you see it happening. You see some of the best and savviest and talented people pack up and leaving those states and going to other states. They're going to Texas, Florida, Arizona. They're packing them and leaving. They vote with their feet. When you allow people to move, and we will, they'll go. Eventually, we'll shut our own borders down because we won't want them to leave. So we'll say, no, you can't leave. We'll literally shoot you if you leave. That's how it eventually happens. We'll shut our borders, but not for people coming in, for people coming out, leaving, going out. Oh, yeah. Like North Korea. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be really scary. So, um, and that's why you were you brought up a point where politicians that want to win, they obviously are not gonna target youth and trying to motivate them. And I totally understand that, right? So that's where I think that it's so big and so important that people, you know, around my age, around people that are younger, um, you know, you guys gotta go out, speak out. You know, don't be afraid to speak out in class and be like, no, actually, this is the right way actually voting just bipartisan and having this mindset that a bipartisan system is the only right way. We have to eliminate that guys. Cause if we don't, uh, the future doesn't store much good things for us and we will um, succumb to dictatorship at the end of the day. Well, the problem you have here is, and people see it when you have that deep of a rift between left and right, good and evil, bad guy, good guy, there's not even any conversation. And if there's no conversation, there's no respect. And when that happens, you dehumanize your enemy. And when you dehumanize your enemy, that makes violence okay. 
right? That's what makes violence okay. And you will eventually push in to a point of civil war or at least civil unrest. And we're already at the civil unrest phase now. We're already at civil unrest and the COVID lockdowns are not helping, right? So we'll see how far the civil unrest goes. If we actually get a third party in here in the coming years to try to fix this, hopefully the civil unrest will be abated. We hope so. But if not, the future is not a bright future. It is a future full with sporadic violence. And I would like that to not happen. Yeah, of course. Um, so, you know, we usually run around 25 minutes to 30 minutes. Um, do you have any last words or any last questions for me? Last words. Oh, my God. Are you gonna you going to execute me? All right, look, man. Tell, tell my wife I loved her. Ba-bow. Is that how that works? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> now, look, if, if you like the kinds of things I'm saying, then do me a favor. Keep having the conversation. Head on over to The Sharp Way. I'm pumping it right now. You see it. Larry Sharp. Just Google me at Larry Sharp. See what I'm talking about. Share it with your friends. I have a lot of ideas that I think people are going to like. I want conversation. I don't want debates. I don't want fights. I want conversations, lots of them. I don't want to fight the left. I don't want to fight the right. I want to convert them all to come over to our side. That's what I'm trying to achieve. I hope they all come. All right. You heard it from the man himself, Larry Sharp. Y'all have a good one. Peace. Thanks for having me. Sure.